Hello. Hello. I'm Emily. I'm Haley. And you are listening to Drink. Drink. <laughs> Drunk. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> I apologize. We can. Um, no, it's cool. Let's keep it that way. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Haley is guest co-hosting with me today. Joel's taking a week off. Woohoo. Because this is a subject that Haley is particularly fond of today. So, uh, haunted distilleries is yeah. our topic. <laughs> that is our topic. But before we get into that, what are you drinking today? Uh, I'm just drinking bourbon on the rocks. There's like, I, I put honey in it sometimes and I put sugar in it sometimes. It's just bourbon. Jim Beam bourbon. So it's essentially an old-fashioned. Well, I mean Close. like... I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of things in old-fashioned. There's a bunch of different types of old-fashions. I'm not going to claim to know anything about any of them. <laughs> well, I am uh, I'm being lazy tonight, and I am just drinking a Jack and Coke. So we, um, we had actually tried testing this out a little bit. We're going to put a disclaimer on here. We are on one microphone tonight because when we tried to set up, Haley has a Mac... And apparently Audacity is not supported on Mac, so we were not able to record on her computer. We are sharing one microphone tonight. It's just the newest version. And then, uh, like, other heads up, we're at my apartment, so my upstairs neighbor who likes to do jumping jacks late at night might show up. And then also I have a grumbly dog. He's a sweet dog. He grumbles. Is that right, Trident? He's totally ignoring us. I don't no, even know where he woke up for that. He oh, okay. Up. So have you noticed how every time I come over here, it, okay, so I come over probably about once a week so Haley and I can sit and we binge watch different horror movies or right now we're really on um, Hill House, Haunting of Hill House, but without fail this semester, every time I have come over, there has either been an ice storm while I'm here or a freaking snowstorm and it doesn't do it the whole rest of the week. It is just in the few hours that I'm over here. State College has been so low on snow this year. Like, I remember last year it being, like, we had multiple closings last year, where this year, like, I don't think we're going to have a single closure for snow. We haven't even had a delay, which is great, I guess, whatever. I want delays and closures. But the only time it snows is the days of the week that you come down. So you bring it from Erie, I guess. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so you don't have any personal haunting experiences, right? I don't. I think my grandma does. I'm uh I'm like a bit of a skeptic, but this stuff is fun. So. But you you have a passion for it anyway, even if you haven't had any personal experiences. You love this stuff. I do, and I always have. Um, I've always said like I'm not scared of like real life killers or like robberies. What are the chances? I've always lived in suburbs. I mean, it's possible. I'm very skeptical that anything real life will happen. But like, what if something like paranormal happens? I can't fix that. Yeah. I was going to ask you a question, but I've already forgotten. We've been at the, the drinking for a little while. We gorged ourselves on ourselves. I do English good. We gorged ourselves on pizza and booze before getting this all set up, which could also be part of why we were not successful in setting this up on Maybe. multiple computers. It's possible. But, um, oh yeah. So Haley's the person that turned me on to Two Girls, One Ghost and... Really got me into podcasting, so you are really the reason that I'm doing this. Yeah. Thank I'm you. actually, like, almost... So I started listening to them, like, late, late November, early December, and I started from the beginning. I'm caught up to their... I'm not there yet. <laughs> 120 episodes I don't know in. how you did that. I have no life. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. It's worth it when you're listening to Two Girls, One Ghost. I guess so, yeah. It makes me feel less alone. Have you found another one that you switch it up with? No, not yet, but I have, like, ten recommendations, so I'm mm -hmm. not worried. I listen to... The three that I really listen to the most are Two Girls, One Ghost, and That's Why We Drink, and My Favorite Murder. My Favorite Murder is all true crime, and That's Why We Drink is true crime and ghost stories, so it kind of it's straddles like a nice both. Mix, yeah. yeah. But the, the girls on My Favorite Murder, I highly recommend you listen to them, because in the first episode, you're going to be like, these chicks are fucked up. And they're several hundred episodes in. So obviously being fucked up is okay for a podcast. Yeah, just not for uh, dating lives because Corinne hasn't made it yet, has she? No, no. Well, I don't, we don't, we have no idea what's going on there because Sabrina has. That's fair, yeah. 
True. The, Redact that comment. Delete the, it out. The ladies of, uh, and that's why we drink. Oh my gosh, I can't remember their names. I listen to them all the time and I can't remember their names. But uh, they do all right. Yeah. I don't know about my favorite murder ladies because those two are really messed up. <laughs> they, they, they have, have each some other. dark minds. <laughs> I didn't have um, anything special or interesting happen this week. Nothing too particularly entertaining aside from I got carded today. For a second, I thought I wasn't going to get carded. The guy in front of me got carded, and this guy was balding. He definitely looked older than me. <laughs> so they were like, they're like, that bald guy's maybe 18, but I don't know how old she is. I think it's like 60. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I get up there, and he rings everything in, and I put my card in, and he never asked me for my ID. And I'm thinking, okay, I guess I'm not getting carded, but that old-ass dude did. <laughs> and then I, we get to almost the end of the transaction, and that's when he asked for my card my id but it always makes me feel special the silly little things in life yeah try to you gotta grumble. he's grumbling <laughs> he's mad at us for talking too loudly even yeah. though it's really not that loud no i think it's probably like it literally could just be like a car two apartments down closed its door in everyone's home so now he's concerned like he just came up and like licked your leg and now he's going to the door that means he's like protective do you ever wonder if when he starts grumbling and barking at the door, if it is a ghost? Ah. Because your neighbor is really loud. Maybe it actually is a ghost. Yeah, and like, not what if home. I don't have a neighbor? I'm just seeing yeah. <laughs> apparitions and hearing things. Uh, no. Because you said she's a tiny little woman, right? She is. But she but makes a lot of no, noise. Because she responds, because I will hit the ceiling with a broom and then she'll stomp back. So you're like the old guy in Friends that lives on the first floor. Everyone tells me that, but I don't care. I don't understand why you're six foot tall, like definitely two hundred. Well, not two. I don't know how much. He's a he's like a built man. Uh huh. I never hear him step anywhere when he comes over. I hear her step everywhere. Like, are you breaking your heels on the floor every day? (laughs) She just takes out all that aggression on your on her floor and on your ceiling every single day. She lets you know. I'm really nice to her when I see her outside. Like, she rides a bike to campus, and I'll, like, let her get in front of my car, because I know I'm a safe car to be behind. Well, see, and that's probably why she's really nice to you, to your face, because she knows that you drive behind her, and if she pisses you off, (laughs) you know who she is, (laughs) where to find her. So we've had our drinks. Yes. We are on our way to being a little drunk. Yes. Tapping the table here. Apologize. I apologize. Apologies. See, on our way to being drunk, I might already be there. Now it's time for the dead. Yes. I want to start so that I can get it over with. Also, yeah, these chairs will croak and groan. That's okay. Yeah, so like anytime I adjust, it's going to sound like I'm farting, but I'm not, I promise. Oh my god, I'm totally putting that in here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's fair. It's fine. I already screwed up the intro, so there couldn't be much more embarrassing than that. So we're good. Well, we're it's going. not like you're, you're you're practiced at this. We didn't even do it right, and we've been doing it for several episodes now. So, so what's the distillery that you chose? Mine is Buffalo Trace Distillery. They are in Kentucky. Probably should know what town in Kentucky they're from. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna look that up real quick. I did all this research on Buffalo Trace, but I never wrote down where they're from. So they are in Frankfort, Frankfort, Kentucky. Yes. Shout out, Kentucky! I've never been. Austin has been. I will go eventually, though. So there's just, like, a quick blurb. If you go to their website, they have, like, a really cool history. And I like including history because it makes things make sense, I guess. They have a really cool history layout. You can kind of, like, click through the whole website. The only thing I didn't find was, like, like, they actively do ghost tours on site, but I couldn't find anything about ghosts or haunting on their site. That's pretty common, I found, when I'm doing research. But they're not, research. like, scared of it. They're, they're not, like, they, Like, they acknowledge it. it. Yeah. They acknowledge it. They put on their own ghost tours, but... But they don't discuss it openly on no. their website. So, uh, they had a really nice intro blurb, and I'm ripping most of this until I tell you from where else it's from. So, their website has... This really awesome intro quote that they have, and I'm directly ripping that because it was nice. Uh, The intro is, Throughout the challenges of floods, fires, tornadoes, and even prohibition, the American family-owned Buffalo Trace Distillery has never compromised. 
A timeless dedication to respecting the past while fearlessly innovating for the future has served us well for more than two centuries. No matter the challenge, be it Mother Nature or man, the people of our distillery have been part of the story that shaped America and the spirit industry well. The spirit industry. Yeah, so uh, you can definitely find more than just boozy spirits there. Do you feel like the whole fearlessly... What did they say? Fearlessly what? Fearlessly... Oh, shit. Fearlessly innovating. There, thank you. Do you feel like the whole fearlessly innovating arose out of maybe uh, prohibition? Because there's really nothing to be afraid of right now when it comes to booze. Oh, yeah. People love it. Oh, no. They're big successful right now. I've looked it up. Like, even, like, on some of the really snobby, like, bourbon subreddits and stuff, people are mad about their prices going up. And I'm assuming if your prices are going up and you're still in business, you're probably doing good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bunch of other... So they have a nice timeline. There's a bunch of other little facts that shows that they're doing well. So I put some notable things from the timeline that I like. Uh, it'll probably drag. So if you don't like history, I guess just like fast forward. I, the history is what makes the company. Yeah, and but like listeners, if you don't like it, fast forward. I put it in there. There's quite a bit of it here. Okay. So in 1792, uh, Kentucky is the first or the 15th state in the union. And then the old Taylor house is built by Commodore Richard Taylor, which is a house that is still on site today. I didn't personally find any ghost stories about this house, but I thought it was cool. Like, there's a house built in 1792 that is still on this this distillery's property. So then jump to 1811. There's a three-story stone warehouse uh, built on the riverside, and there are whiskey barrels there stored waiting for shipment, and that kind of just, like, I guess turns into the snowball for the distillery later on. So in 1858, there's a small distillery built using the warehouse, and it's Daniel Sigwart who builds or makes it into a distillery. And for a while, the distillery grows, changes hands. There are a million different names in there. I'm sure they're connected, and I'm sure they make sense to people who like history and who like the, like, I guess, I don't know, property owner facts, but... (laughs) <laughs> I there were like a lot of names and a lot of changes and I didn't maybe do you, do you think there's somebody out there like yes give me every little piece of well, property their information website, I'm ripping it word for word from their website so if you look up Buffalo Trace Distillery they have the full timeline way more information than I'm giving so if you are that kind of a nerd when it comes to whiskey distillery it's whiskey right yeah it's like a whiskey bourbon place then go to their website and check that out because you're not going to hear it here But also, if you're a bourbon snob, the history shouldn't matter. The bourbon should, so. In 1882, though, there's actually lightning that strikes the warehouse. And there's, like, they call it the Great Fire. It burns down the whole warehouse, and it has to get rebuilt, which is really interesting. That's a cool history to have. That is cool. I didn't see anything on their thing about anybody dying in the fire or anything. It just... It just still kind burned of, down and had to be rebuilt. Kind of apocalyptic when it comes to <laughs> the lightning strikes. Yes, the lightning like strikes, the, the whole saying, place burns to the ground. God's looking down like, why? You shouldn't do this. Stop. <laughs> and if they built it on a river, you would think there's water right there to put the damn thing out. But no. No, nope, it's down. In 1883, there's a building called the Dickel Building that is built right after the Great Fire. And this actually is now currently the mashing and fermenting wing. They Are you laughing because the there's the name Dickel? Dick in it? It's probably somebody's name. I know, but come on, that's funny. <laughs> I it's like when somebody's like, hi, I'm Richard, but I go by Dick. Okay. <laughs> this is 18, 1883. Do you think they were even calling penises dicks back then? Like, Probably they said the word fuck. Why wouldn't they say dick? I don't know. Somebody fact check that and email Emily and tell her. Yes, please tell me. Do people say dick as slang in 1883? Was dick a thing? <laughs> I mean, they were there. <laughs> they existed. So Dickel Building, now the MASH building. Yeah. Um, in 1886, it was the first distillery with steam heating. So there is a bunch of really cool, like, side facts about that but the big deal is they have steam heating which is new it's not something that all the other distilleries have but come 1919 it doesn't fucking matter prohibition happens so uh this distillery is actually one of the few distilleries that were allowed to bottle medicinal whiskey so they never actually went out of business is they that just... kind of like medical marijuana now yeah <laughs> They're like, well, okay, uh, I get really sad sometimes, so I need something that's literally going to make me sadder. Dude, I'm going to find the right doctor to give me the prescription for that. they had prescriptions that. for everything. They had prescriptions for cocaine and, like... 
I know, they outlaw freaking drinking, but cocaine, sure, why not? No, they were all, you needed prescriptions for them, but they gave, like, you just had to go to a cool doctor and they gave you a prescription. Hmm. So that happens. They stay in business by being a medicinal whiskey company, but in 1933, prohibition ends, and there are only four other whiskey distilleries in Kentucky. Well, not four other. I think four total. They are one of the four. Was the other one Jack Daniels? I don't know. I well, thought Jack Daniels was... I, are they in Kentucky? No, they're Tennessee. Yours yeah. is Kentucky. Because I Jim almost Bean. visited... I almost visited Jack Daniels, but their online site really sucked to book a tour, and they were really expensive. So we went to Nashville Craft Distillery. If you like d- whiskey... Or anything, and you're in Nashville, like, they're pretty cool. Go check that out. You liked yeah. Nashville a lot. Yeah, and Nashville was cool, and Nashville Craft was a really cool distillery, so I think it was, like, literally maybe $12 a person to go on their very tiny distillery tour, but you got so many samples, and their whiskey and their other drinks were so good. Like, I don't like gin usually, but their gin was delicious. Okay. But Kentucky distilleries. Back yes. to Buffalo. Back to. So uh, they were one of four distilleries in... Kentucky in 1933, but come 1937, there was a great flood. They didn't go into a lot of detail about what that did to their distillery's location, but I'm assuming if you're on the riverside and there was a great flood, it probably did some damage. (laughs) Probably. Probably. After Prohibition, Prohibition ended in 1933. By 1942, they've they've bottled or barreled a hundred and, or not hundred, one million whiskey barrels. So they're very prolific. B- business picked up. Booming. Yeah. Uh, and you can say that by uh, 2008, 6 million barrels. So obviously it's slowed down since then because there are now more distilleries. People are going other places. But in short quantities of time, they are doing millions of that's barrels. That's impressive. Yeah. So they're cool. That's mostly that's what I have for the history. Okay. So now getting on to the hauntings. These are also ripped from online. The one website I like read and took notes from, and then I couldn't find the website when I went back. Oh, I've done that all the time. So I'm really sorry, X website that I stole from. I'm trying to give you credit, but somebody will be able to find you. These are not my words. <laughs> okay. Um, so there's one story from this website, which is probably how I lost it. This one story that I have is from a distillery worker being interviewed. Her name is Lindsay Brewer. And she's not just a, she's a ghost tour guide. She's talking about what distillery workers have seen. So distillery workers have reported seeing a wispy figure walking through the barrels because they just have this, you can look up pictures of this and it's really cool, but it's just like, it looks like a cellar and then there are shelves and shelves of barrels. So like, it looks really old timey. The warehouses are brick buildings. Uh, There's like a, it looks like a cement floor Mm -hmm. and then these barrels everywhere. The lighting is kind of low. And workers have seen, sorry if you guys just heard something, it was my te- my refrigerator knocking. I don't... <laughs> yeah, it, your apartment is weird. Between your refrigerator knocking, your heat knocking, and your elephant-footed upstairs neighbor. <laughs> okay, there's lots of knocks. There's not a ghost, though. That you are aware that of. That I am you, aware you of. You can't pick that out from the other I noises. It no. could be here and you just don't know. I couldn't. guess I need to get some sage, but... <laughs> uh, sage cures all, apparently. <laughs> apparently. I just burn incense and candles a lot because they think they smell nice. I just welcome the spirits as long as they ain't evil. <laughs> okay, back to Lindsay. She is yes. a ghost tour guide. She's talking about the story that the distillery workers have seen this wispy figure. And then more specifically, a crew foreman and his men were moving barrels to another warehouse. And then they heard the like a voice somewhere around them. And it just said, get out. <laughs> uh, they didn't see anyone, though. So they were like, ah, we just didn't, we just didn't hear it right. Like, that's just some weird noise. But later, the same voice, like, yelled it, like, get out! So, sorry, I just clapped, because I'm a very clappy person. <laughs> um, so they yelled, get out, and this time the foreman listened. They were like, all right, something's, something's weird, so we're all getting out. Shortly after, and they were just, like, out getting fresh air, shortly after, the building collapsed. Are you serious? Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, but that's just one version of that story. The the more, like, I don't know. I liked this version better. This is from KentuckyMonthly.org or something like that. It's a newsletter. This one, I actually wrote the source down. This is where most of the rest of my stories come from. This one sounded a lot cooler, and it's pretty much a very similar story. So I don't know. Obviously, there's not very much good fact-checking. Like, it's really weird. 
Because I'm used to having to read peer-reviewed articles. I feel it. I know. Right? And you're just, what is this uh, website and who's this coming from? I can't believe anything that I'm reading right now. But to be fair, okay, so we both are in the sciences and we have a great passion for what we do. Very nerdy. We are very nerdy. And a lot of what we do relies on heavy research and understanding your resources and being able to um, really kind of assess and analyze thank you for that oh i'm sorry <laughs> i didn't okay. i wasn't thinking <laughs> i just okay. wanted ice in my glass <laughs> so we want to assess and analyze um what we're reading we really want to be able to pick it apart and understand what's happening and judge for ourselves based on their methods and their results what what really happened there you can't really do that with the paranormal you sciences so there are two versions of this story and I like the second one more. So I told you the first one. It's there. I'm sure there's a trillion versions. I'm going to tell you the one I like more. Now. Which one do you like more? This one. Do so, tell. So this is on Warehouse C. I like this one more because it has more facts. Um, <laughs> so Warehouse C, which was built in 1885. In the early 20th century, there were foremen in there taking a nap inside. So this is a little bit different. They're not moving barrels. Um, there's a foreman that was taking a nap. And he drifted off to sleep with his hat pulled over his eyes. It's a really cool, like, I'm just imagining, I know he's not an old farmer, but, like, I'm imagining an old farmer, like, laying on, like, a bale of hay. I, I with, just totally uh, pictured the same like thing. Like a cowboy hat and a, some straw hanging out of his mouth. He's not that. He's working in a warehouse. Cartoon Z's going up into the clouds. Yes, but that's what I'm picturing. So, there's a cartoon cowboy falling asleep on a stack of hay, but actually inside the warehouse. And he, uh... Falls asleep, but he wakes up from dead sleep to the sound of somebody whispering. And it's like somebody like right by him saying, get your men out of the way. So he jumps up and he takes his hat off and he looks around like there's nobody there. And I can only imagine because I have like had really cool, not cool, but like scary sleep paralysis where it's like whispering that wakes me up. Mm -hmm. Ugh, that'll stop your heart real fast. So. Uh, he jumps up and he takes his hat off and he's looking around like, this is such a cartoony imagination. Cowboy asleep. And then he like whips his hat off and now he's looking around. Uh, but there's nobody there. Puts his hat back on and goes back to sleep. <laughs> I don't understand. Again, he goes dead sleep. And then the whisper is no longer a whisper. It's like, get your men out of here now. And he jumps up and he's like, okay. Everybody, get get out of this building. There's something wrong here. Get out. And a few minutes later, the brick on the side of the building collapses. And that's where the men were working. And so it falls off the structure and land is like lands right at the spot where they'd been. Where they so, were sleeping? Where the one guy was sleeping, where the other people were. I don't know. Doesn't say. But there were people there and the brick was falling and people would have died. It says specifically that several people would have died if the foreman hadn't heeded a supernatural warning <laughs> hmm so that's it's a pretty good interesting ghost. yeah it's a nice ghost creepy but like it's like okay i was trying to be nice the first time but you're too stupid to listen when i tell you you need to leave this place i think last week uh when joel and i were doing haunted hospitals we had a discussion about how people think of ghosts as being bad but not by by no means are all spirits bad. They're just there, and because we don't understand them, they scare us, so we picture that in our yeah. head as being bad. And this is just another example of, hey, maybe they're not out to get you. They're just coexisting. Well, all of the different podcasts and stories that I've listened to also go over this, where, like, it doesn't matter how nice the experience is. Like, it could be, like, your grandma coming to visit you, and you're so happy to see her, but also, like, there's that eerie feeling of, like, Grandpa shouldn't be here right now. Right, because we don't understand it. And for us as scientists, this is where we have the trouble because we want to understand it. We want to have that hard evidence. But there's a part of us that understands that there are some things that we won't ever fully comprehend. This might be one of them. Okay, more stories. Visitors and staff members will report hearing unexplained noises and uh, people talking. And uh, it's like a meeting room. That used to be owned by Blanton. I don't know who Blanton is because I didn't write down all the names. So, <laughs> uh, but Blanton had a meeting room, and you sometimes don't know Blanton. I don't. I thought everybody knew but Blanton. But listen, who was he? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so people will hear like 
people talking in that room. Even security guards will, like, say, oh, there were lights on in the gift shop after hours. The security guard, like, one time saw lights on, and then he saw somebody in the in the building. So he's like, well, shit, I have to go look at this. So he goes inside, and he looks. He finds it empty. And then there are photos of incidents. Um, incidents line the walls. Yeah, so... Uh, stuttering over my words. Uh, but there are, like, pictures of things like that hung up around Stony Point's basement. Even, at one point, Ghost Hunters came to the distillery in 2011. So oh, the TV show? Yeah, Ghost Hunters did. Um, and they identified the ghostly presences and other things that were in this little section as Blanton and other past workers. Oh, I think I remember that episode, actually. Yeah, so I used to be super into that show. They're in this, like, brick warehouse, probably not a warehouse, but they're in a meeting room that Blanton used to work in, and apparently he and his past co-workers are just stuck at work forever. Have you ever watched um, Ghost Adventures? No, I have not. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think I would like it? Because I don't think I would. No, you're not going to like it as a person who wants evidence. When they find something in every single location that they I go to. I used to watch Taps. I forget That's what Taps. That's Ghost Hunters. That's Ghost Hunters? That's Ghost Hunters. That's Jay and Grant. All right. Well, it's not That's like... That's what I was super into. It's not the other ones, though. I list- I literally could only, like, stand Taps and A Haunting. I would, like, run home from the bus stop to watch A Haunting. I watch A Haunting. I watch uh, my personal horror story. Travel Channel anymore has, yeah, like, all this stuff, and I just binge it when I'm here because I have cable at the motel. Yeah. <laughs> I... Like, I don't know, I have this, like, really ingrained memory of my younger sister and I, not my, I have two little sisters, so the middle child, her and I would get off the bus at the same time, but our bus stop was, like, down the corner and down a big hill, because we lived in a cul-de-sac, so I have vivid memories of us getting off the bus at, like, 3.27 p.m., and at 3.30, there was an episode of A Haunting on, on the regular, <laughs> and... We would sprint. We would cut through people's yards, and eventually we got like in trouble for that. <laughs> Just started to get to back to the house. Elbows. And at this time in the memory, my mom had made like this like boiled cookie recipe, which sounds disgusting if you haven't had one before, but they're delicious. It's just like instead of baking them, the ingredients are like boiled and then set to cool. It's like oats usually, oat-based cookies. I have to shake my head at you because <laughs> just have you ever not had sound them? Appetizing. It doesn't sound good at all. Vivid memories, running home from the bus stop, grabbing a spoonful, standing in the kitchen because we weren't allowed to have food in the living room, looking into the living room while A Haunting was playing because we needed to watch it. (laughs) Because it's a good show. Okay, so I do have more stories, actually. Quite a few more. Okay. The the current owner, Dave Meyer, says he's not sure if this story that he's about to tell or the ghost adventures or any of that is proof of haunting. But he says it's been quieter since the TV show Ghost Asylum visited the site. Hmm. I don't know the show. But he says what, what Ghost Asylum does is they investigate, and then, in his words exactly, like in quotes, they have this thing where they capture the ghosts and take them away, so Ghostbusters. Yeah, no kidding. Is it just yeah. a little, like, what, I don't what know what it trap? is. That, yeah. A Divic box? <laughs> no, um... He says, I'm not sure whether or not there are such things as ghosts, but ever since they were here, we haven't had anything like that happen here. So he's saying, like, activity's gone down since this one show visited. In 2018, the show Paranormal Lockdown stayed there for 72 hours. That's an interesting show. Yeah, well, I guess I have to watch this episode because for 72 hours they stayed at this distillery. I can't find their um, U.S., but I can find on I found their U.K. Their U.K.'s on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. I watched that. I liked it's, it. It's kind of, the UK, I like them, but they're kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 72 hours in lockdown. They yeah, you gotta lose be a weird. lot of sleep. They're a little weird. So this, this show found evidence of ghosts in both the warehouse and the beam home. I don't know what the beam home is, but it's a location like, on the property. Jim Beam? But it's not Jim Beam. So it's like some, somebody named Beam's home. Maybe Jim Beam was just involved in all the whiskey know. and bourbon. Discovery. I didn't look up that much history, but our they then they say like, but our guide only acknowledges liquid spirits as she introduces us to some of Beam's tasty tasty offerings. So <laughs> that just sounds dirty. 
I think it sounds like booze. Oh. <laughs> My brain goes to the completely wrong place. Well, we can tell which one's the alcoholic, but uh, it's certainly not her. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. No, you're just a creep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, this is love right here. Okay, I need to pour myself another. Dude, that's a lot of booze. No. Little bit. Two shots. <laughs> it is. Wait, no, because there's lines here. And I always go up to the second line. When's your class tomorrow? Okay, so. Back to the story? Back to the story as I clink and mix my sugar into my drink. Okay. I like, I'm drinking this straight is, bourbon, it's, so. It's real, man. This is what we do here on Drink Drunk Dead. So, when the second floor of the visitors, the second floor of the visitor center is being renovated, um, some painters came in to work after hours, so. Just like anywhere, any big place, uh, if you're working during the time of main visiting hours, like that's a pain in the ass for you and for the visitors and people get mad. So painters are coming after hours and the crew would go up the back staircase. And then if they turn the corner, they would see a little girl standing in the corner wearing period dress. They did not explain to me what period dress meant, but from my assumption, it means not 2010s Not dress. 1970s even. Yeah, so it's like old clothes. I don't know, maybe 1900, early 1900s? I don't know. Period dress. So just period dress, this little girl standing there and like, I don't know, I'm imagining some straight up 1800s shit and the, right. <laughs> a girl in like a whole like petticoat or whatever. I, don't fact check me. Do not fact check me on this. I don't want to know. She's standing there and... All five of the painters admit to seeing her there. So there's five people, five painters. They're probably some skeptics, some believers. And they turn the corner and they're like, there's a little girl here. And then they look at her because they're like, why is there a little girl here? And after a few minutes, she just disappeared. Your elephant-footed neighbor's home. And also that would be, uh, how, like... Do you just stare at this little girl until she dissipates? I'm, so they say a few minutes, because I think they're, I think in Is general, like, when you're reading something and you say something was a few seconds, you're like, oh, it was a flash, but really 30 seconds feels like a few minutes. Yeah. I'm imagining, like, for 30 seconds to a minute, they just stood there, they're like, why is there a child here? Where is your mom? And they're just all thinking. Right. And then oh, by a, the time anybody wants to say anything, she's gone. Traumatic experience kind of thing. It's something that stands out to you, so it makes you stop and you pause. So that's one story in its own. And then someone else had an encounter in the same area. Uh, they were setting up for... It wasn't in a room, not by the staircase, but in the same room where the staircase is. They were setting up for a wedding. I looked it up. Like I looked up pictures of this place. There are a lot of weddings. But it's a pretty place, so I understand. And he gets there and he sees the lights are on, like, when he first gets there on the second floor in one room where the event's going to happen. So, like, a direct quote from this guy says, the lights in that room aren't kept on a switch but on motion sensors. So much like oh. like the lights at, like, Penn State where yeah. they're like, we want to save energy so the lights are off until you enter the room and then, like, two seconds after you enter they turn on. So he's like, it's weird. His exact words are, like, the lights go on and off depending on if anyone is in that particular area of the room. So he figured there was already someone there to help. And he, like, approaches the building. He finds out, like, all the doors are locked. So he starts knocking. Like, somebody's upstairs. Why are the doors locked? So he's knocking. Like, they'll come let me in. Nobody answered. So finally he goes to a guard. He's like, hey, these doors are locked. Can you let me in? I'm supposed to be setting up. And as soon as he gets in, he could hear someone walking around. So... He goes, like, uh, he goes upstairs and he's like, hello. No one answered. So uh, he, like, com he's like, as he's going up the stairs, he says hello. He gets up there and he's like, all the lights were out. The lights that had been on were now out? Yeah, so he could see it from outside. All the lights are on. Then right. he goes inside. Because he knocks on the door and nobody lets him in. He has the guard take him inside. And then he hears somebody walking around upstairs and he's like walking up the stairs saying like, hey, trying to say hi to his helper. Like, who's here? Who's helping? Gets up the stairs and the lights are off. That's unnerving. Yeah, it is. Especially with motion sensors because they stay on for a really long time after they see something. So he's a little creeped out, but he starts doing what he can to set up because like, it's your job. Like, sorry, you're nervous, but you're getting paid to do this. And if you don't do it on time, 
some bridezilla is probably going to come after you. To be fair, if you like didn't set up my wedding on time because you were scared of a ghost and this is a place that you work. Yeah, that's not going to pass the mustard. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. So he starts prepping and then he's like starting prepping one of the bars and he hears someone at the bar on the other side, like on the other side of a wall. And it sounds like they're setting up the bar. So he peeks around the corner and there's no one there. And then suddenly, where he just was at the bar, he starts hearing noises. So, like, he's, like, playing, like, I don't know, that's, I don't kind know, of like hide tag, and seek. hide and seek, yeah. something, where he's on one side of a wall on the bar, he hears noise on the other, so he goes, checks it out, and then on the side he was at, he starts hearing noise. It's like Marco Polo. He said it seemed like a kid playing a game, which is funny, because, like, I actually hadn't read that line until now, and we just made that yeah. <laughs> comment, so... It's very on par. I appreciate that you hadn't read the line that you wrote. I may have not (laughs) written it. Somebody else wrote it. Okay. Yeah, so it seems like a kid playing a game with him. Um, Back and forth happened a few more times, and then something eerie catches his attention. Dun dun. He notices (laughs) every time he went to a different part of the room following sounds, He was the one triggering the lights, not whatever was making the noise. So there are noises in these rooms that he very clearly hears and he's chasing them, but they're not whatever it is that's making this noise. Even though he saw the lights earlier. Yeah. So it was purposefully turning the lights on before. Now he's chasing it and it's playing with him. And it's like, but you can't see us. That's a mind fuck. Yeah, that is. Like it can control whether or not the. It's not just like the triggering like maybe it was like purposefully turning on the lights that because it can't the sensors can't see it that would screw with your head and then he says like in like quotates quotations he says quotates he says so whatever was creating the noise was doing it in the dark and not triggering the motion sensor at all and then i was like nope (laughs) (laughs) so like even if it were an animal or something like motion sensor lights are going to pick up an animal moving around. I don't know. As a five-foot-tall person, I can tell you that there are often times when motion sensor lights don't pick me up, and I'm a person. Are they? Are you sure they just don't have a delay? Like, <laughs> No, they literally don't pick me up. Maybe you're just invisible. <laughs> I, I believe that might be the case. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, he, like, he nopes out, and he... Uh, reflecting back he says something along the lines of like considering the playful nature of the experience uh it might just be the same little girl that the painter saw and he says maybe maybe but i don't want to think about that (laughs) fair don't really blame him okay so and then oftentimes we look for answers to hauntings um so we look for like who was on the property before where was like what type of property was it before something was built the history that might explain this is that across the street, there were two different little girls that lived across the street at different times. It doesn't say any specifics. One of the girls drowned in a well, and the other girl died of fever. That's sad. It's sad. But also, like, there might be two little girls haunting that place because they lived across the street, and now they want to play with the painters. So is it, like, I wonder if it's actually that both of them are there, and they're just tag teaming and fucking with people for the fun of it because that just seems like something snotty little girls would do i remember being a snotty little girl and i would totally do that kind of shit i wasn't that snotty but i'm kind of skeptical that the deaths ever happened because they're like i tried to look into it it's hard to find old death records though yeah no and i there's not really like i don't know there's nothing proving anything there obviously but there's not any like actual history none that was cited this is just people that the ghost, like, the ghost tours tell, mm-hmm. and, like, what probably locals will say. So I'm a little skeptical. The same guy who was doing the setup for the wedding had an encounter while he was giving a tour of Warehouse D. So I noticed that Warehouse D is heavily referenced. I didn't include all the stories that I saw from Warehouse D. Some of them were, like, a little boring. But I did get a lot of good stories from them so warehouse d was built in 1907 so like that's pretty early on in this little timeline that we had so at around 2 p.m on a saturday he brought in a group and they're like at the first floor intersection where two aisles meet and he was about to talk and he looked down one of the aisles before he starts talking 
and he sees a man at the other end, like, staring at one of the barrels. And then he says, like, how did somebody with the tour get that far away without me noticing? And he, it's just, like, him in the interview saying that. He doesn't say it out loud, obviously, at this time. But it was the first thought that he thought of. He said it. he wasn't glowing or ethereal? Ethereal. Ethereal. Again, I never studied English. I will have editors, hopefully. We all hope that I have an editor. <laughs> okay. So it's not like you imagine ghosts. It was just a guy that was standing there, just like any other guy standing there, uh, wearing khaki pants and a shirt. Uh, and it was like, he said it reminded him of a uniform. So he asked the man to rejoin the group, but the guy, like the man just ignored him. And he asked again, and the man ignored him again, like as if he never heard the tour guide say, like, come rejoin the group. The man was just like completely not acknowledging it. And then the man disappeared. He like took one step forward, walked right into the barrels and disappeared. How do you turn around and try to play it cool with your tour after There's a whole like that? tour group there. Like I wish they had gotten somebody from that group to say something cuz tour groups are like I mean they could probably be pretty small. Maybe there were only 5 people there, but I've been on ghost tours and there's like 20 people there. But maybe it was one of those situations where he was the only person that saw it. Because <laughs> the group's just like, happens. this fucking kook, like, <laughs> what is he seeing? This guy's just imagining things. Okay, so a woman standing beside him asked who the guy was. So somebody did see him. Oh, okay. Um, and the woman standing behind him was like, or beside him, beside the tour guide, said, You saw that too? I'm not crazy. They've had this interaction where... They both saw it, and then they look at each other and they're like, you saw that? So then the tour guide walks down and looks between all the racks to see, like, where this man went. Because it could have been a trick of the eye. Like, things look weird. If you're in the dark, and I, I've looked pictures at this, like, warehouse. Like, it's dim. There mm -hmm. are lots of barrels. So you might just be seeing something wrong or whatever. So he starts looking for this dude, and this dude is not here. There's no room for him to fit between the barrels. And then he said, it was spookier when I got down there because I figured I would find something, someone who got away from the group or someone who works here and just didn't hear me. But he got down there and no one was there. So he feels like his experience was pretty much confirmed after something like that. Yeah. Um, so then he returns to the group and explains to everybody what happened. It allowed each of them to walk down and see for themselves. You know, like, this isn't this isn't some, like, Disney prop, like... I did not tell a co like a coworker to come here and disappear. Please go verify there's no one down there. And this whole group goes down and looks and everyone checks it out and there's no man. Everyone agrees there's no man. That would be a crazy experience to, to be on that tour and to get to go home and say, I went on a haunted tour. Yeah. And this is what I saw. And you honest to God have an, an experience. That'd be so cool. It would be very cool. The ghost tours that I've been on just tell like mostly history and then they try to make it spooky, but you're in a whole group of people. Right. So they haven't been scary. <laughs> They've been fun, but they haven't been scary. Okay, so that's that's my story. Those are my stories. Okay, so that is the Buffalo Trace Buffalo Distillery. Buffalo Trace Distillery. I would love to check them out, but I can't. So if somebody does or has, let Emily know. She'll tell me. Yes, I want to hear all about it. So I forgot to tell you the really cool news at the start of the episode. We got our first listener email today. Woohoo! I know. I'm really excited. It's a good one. Definitely written by somebody who probably has experience with authoring things. It, it definitely reads like a story as opposed to just somebody having a conversation. Those are nice to read. Yeah. Conversations, like, e like emails are really nice to read out loud, but like to to view to it's visualize really nice it, yeah. to see like a, or to hear a novel type story so we got our first listener story and so we host through buzzsprout and it when you post your um episodes it gives you a breakdown of how many plays it's had on what platform it's playing so like spotify uh, we do iheart and itunes and then it also tells you where they're listening from and i'm so excited because we have at least four listeners in England uh, from two different cities. We have a listener in Japan. We have Milwaukee, Chicago, and Manhattan are all the ones I can remember off the top of my head. So it's not just people we know and only our friends that are listening to this. Yeah. Well, shout out to, so like 
I don't know if you were originally planning on having... Austin just walked by. It scared me, honestly. <laughs> Austin, okay. are you going to say hello? Hello. <laughs> that probably, probably didn't even pick down, that up. So, it's fine. <laughs> so, shout out to you for putting this on Spotify, because I personally requested that. Mm-hmm. I hope it's getting you listens, but also, that's the only... Like, with a Google phone, that's the only one that I really use for podcasts. There is a Google podcast app, but... That's actually, um, we get most of our listens through Spotify. Well, you're welcome. We get a few through iHeart and a few through iTunes. And I figured, honestly, that we'd get more through iHeart because it's the number one podcast platform. So you figured that you would, I yeah. I figured we would get more through there, but not yet. Just, uh, so if you're enjoying this podcast, don't rate forget. Rate and subscribe. Rate and subscribe. And please tell your friends about it because that's the best way to get information about this out there. I have friends. I don't have enough friends who are into paranormal, so they don't really well, give also, a crap. Like, if you think about it, like any of the podcasts that anyone I know listens to or podcasts that I have been told about or I have told them about, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like I, it sounds like a joke, but like getting ratings to get yourself promoted is important. And then also like literally just telling people to listen is important. Yeah. Listen. Uh, and don't forget to just share it with your friends. Tell them about it. Tell them you enjoy it. Um, all right. So on to the story, the distillery that I went with was, I'm probably going to butcher this name. It's Gooderum and Wirtz Distillery in Toronto, Ontario. And it's another whiskey distillery, whiskey Woo-hoo! bourbon. I swear, every single one that I looked up, all the ones in Ireland and Scotland, everything, it's all whiskey and bourbon. Apparently, okay, those are the only places that are haunted. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there are some bones to whiskey and bourbon, and that's, you know, where it comes from. I don't know. I don't, it just fits the vibe. I looked for Cuervo because you know how much I love my tequila. Oh, there was, ha- there's no tequila stories? I could not find any. You looked for specifically Cuervo or just tequila? Cuervo. Mm. Because that's my favorite. And all other tequilas can just kiss I my like- butt. Anyway, so Gooderm and Words Distillery in Toronto, Ontario. Oh, wait. I was just going to say my shout out to Lunazool because that's my favorite tequila. Oh, go but ahead. We were do like, your shout out. That's it. That's it. I, that was the my favorite all time is Lunazool and then Salsa. Those are my tequilas. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know that I've had those before. I really stick with Cuervo because I like it. All right. So I chose Gooderm. Good, good, good. Back that up and try it again. I chose Gooderum and Wirtz Distillery in Toronto, Ontario, which is another whiskey bourbon distillery. We have a type. We do. Like I said, there's there, there's no no tequila ones. I wanted tequila. Ain't no tequila. If you hear tapping, that would be Trident's tail tapping on our table. He just wants some whiskey. Let me give you a little bit of history here on the Gooderum Gooderum and Words Distillery. I've had some alcohol already. In 1831 and 1832, James Wirtz Sr. and William Gooderum, who were brothers-in-law, came to Canada from Yorkshire, England. They had previously owned and operated a mill in England that had been really successful. And you are laughing at your dog, aren't you? Yeah, I know. He's so loud while he eats that ice. <laughs> So they'd owned this mill, um, and they'd been running it until England had this really bad... Jesus, dog. (laughs) Sounds like he's licking his balls. (laughs) You cannot cut that out. (laughs) Until an economic depression struck the country of England. Because that's where they're still at at this point in my story. Okay, yeah, we only are like two bullet points I know, right? So they... (laughs) <laughs> made a decision to move to Canada and begin a mill there because they they had wanted to continue in the same line of work that they they had before. Um, so they built this 70-foot, I put small, I mean tall. They built this 70-foot tall, 70-foot, I don't know. It's a grist mill. It's 70 feet. In 1832 near Parliament and Front Streets in the old city of York overlooking Lake Ontario. Okay, so, this might be like a dumb question, but what is a, what is a grist mill? Um, if you want to ask me about metabolomics, I might have an answer for you, but you ask me what a fucking grist mill is. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not stupid. I, I think it was like, I it's, mean, it's a grain mill. Okay. So like wheat and rye and flour yeah. and shit. Okay. Okay. Right. It's a grain mill. So they built the grist mill. It's it overlooking Lake Ontario. Um, it's located in what's now known as the Distillery Historic District, which I think is really weird wording. You should be Historic Distillery District. 
then again, I may, I don't know. You stumble over it either way. Anyway, um, and it quickly became really prosperous. It shipped grain out from Ontario farmers through the port of Toronto. The brother-in-laws didn't work there together for long, though, before there was a tragedy that struck. In 1834, Wirtz suffered a really great loss hmm, when right his... Right around the time of the fire. Well, oh, was it? I don't know. I'm double-checking that. So, Wirtz, his wife, who he was really in love with, that's his uh, brother-in-law's sister. That's how they're related. She died during childbirth. And two weeks later, Wirtz was found drowned in the windmill's well. And it's believed that he didn't want to live without his wife, so he killed himself. They don't really know for sure, but it kind of makes sense based on the timing of what happened. And he was just really... What's the word I'm looking for? So they build a mill. They get it going. They have it up for like two years. Wirtz's wife dies. Wirtz is like, I can't do this anymore. And he offs himself, right? It sucks. (laughs) So Gooderum continues the business for a while by himself. And then it became the distillery in 1837 when it began brewing and distilling whiskey. And he kept Yay, his friend's whiskey. name. Yeah, he kept his, he kept his brother-in-law's name on there. So it becomes the distillery in 1837. And then in 1845, Gooderum brings on James Wirtz's oldest son, so the deceased partner's oldest son, as a partner and co-manager. In 1859... The business grows into this really large complex and works begin work begins on what is today known as the distillery district. So it really grows. It grows from this tiny little mill and distillery into this big, huge complex that really takes up quite a bit of space. Within a few years, it becomes the largest distillery in the British Empire and Canada's largest corporate taxpayer. So it's extremely successful and it produced roughly a quarter of all Canadian spirits at the time in the mid-19th century. By the end of that century, it's producing almost half of all Canadian spirits. By the end of the 19th century, demand for whiskey in Canada had dropped. They'd been switching over. A lot of people were switching to beer and wine. People were switching. They were moving away from whiskey. They're moving away from the hard liquors onto beer and wine, right? So, and then it got even worse when the temperance movement happened. So, this is when people are really saying no to alcohol. So, like, prohibition in the Americas sort of thing. They had to begin to export their alcohol and rely on other business ventures to survive. So, they did all kinds of other stuff. And I don't really remember what all it was. But it was absolutely nothing related to alcohol or grains. It was, like, just some weird shit. Yeah. Like, why did you choose this one? In... The early 1920s, the business is bought by Harry Hatch, and uh, this did decent business by manufacturing whiskey in Canada and then smuggling it to the U.S. during Prohibition, where it's resold. AKA, uh, from what I remember, around 1919. That's, I think, wasn't it? No, 1919 is when women got the vote. 1921 is when Prohibition occurred. So they were, they're reselling to smugglers with, uh, out, what are they called? Bootleggers. But they're not bootleggers. But they're not really bootleggers. They're just smuggling it into the U.S. Because bootleggers would have made their own, right? The company got into really big trouble in 1927 when notorious bootlegger Rocco Perry admits that uh, he's been buying whiskey from them between the years of 1924 and 1927. So the company's convicted of tax evasion in 1928. And it's a good chunk of change. It was like several million dollars, which at the time, 1927, especially during Depression. and That's like a big change. Did you do the math? No, I don't do the math. In 1990, the distillery complex closed and it was converted into the distillery district when it was declared a national historic site. The Gooderum and Wirtz brand whiskey is still manufactured today uh, by the distiller Hiram Walker and Sons Limited, which was owned by Harry Hatch. So that was just another um, distillery that he, he must own several distilleries. So let's talk a little bit about the hauntings at Gooderum and Wirtz Distillery. Reports of haunting at the, at the distillery <laughs> began almost immediately after James' death. You're not even going to retake that. You're just accepting halabalaba. So they began after James's death and they continue through to today. There are a lot of reports of things moving and feelings of sadness and poltergeist-style activity in there. And there are also reports of, like, 
doors opening and closing, lights flashing on and off, banging sounds, and there are a few spirit sightings. So you're like level two haunting. Yeah, yeah it's not like, they, from the descriptions, it's not super crazy haunted. It doesn't sound like, like there's anybody angry ooh. there. There just are people there. You could tell children about this haunting. Yes. It's believed the spirits that are seen are those of either James, so the guy, the previous owner, partner, who had offed himself. I appreciate the clarification, because I would have forgotten. Yeah, at this point. Or um, a man who, I put the did instead of died. I did not spell check my shit. So um, there's a man who died in a boiler explosion that occurred in the boiler house on Christmas Eve of, ni- of 1963. 1863. 18. Yes, 1863. So, boiler explodes in the boiler house. Guy dies. So, it's thought that the ghosts are either James or this guy. Um, Most of the reports come from employees and event planners of the restaurant that's now located in the district. Many of whom refuse to work in the complex late at night. Sneaky shit right there. So, one evening when uh, when an event planner was there alone... They heard uh, the clear sound of heavy chair being dragged across the floor in the room above. So he's downstairs setting something up and he can clearly hear something above him. And he was there all alone. So there's no reason. Mm. Similar to our guy who went in to set up a wedding. Yes. Mm. These distilleries have very similar hauntings. (laughs) On another occasion, a female employee believed that she saw a man hanging from his neck from the wine rack in the restaurant. And the, she quit and never came back. Yeah, there, that's fair. I could never. The only things that have ever scared... Like, I mean, I watch lots of horror movies. Lots of scenes scare me. The ones that will, without a doubt, scare me are hanging feet. Oh, yeah. So, like, in Haunting of Hill House, when you see the body that just drops and the feet are hanging there? Or when you see the man that's uh, looking through the hallways and oh, yeah, his things yeah. and his feet don't touch the ground. But he didn't hang himself, I don't no. think. Well... There's no record of anybody hanging themselves on on the property, but it kind of makes me wonder if, you know, how there's speculation of intelligent hauntings. If maybe this is somebody that really doesn't want her there or want people there, so it's doing whatever it can. It kind of makes me think of, like... like, it can feed off your, like, fears. Like, yeah. But... It kind of makes me think of, like, have you ever seen the original um, Beetlejuice? Yeah. The one with, uh, like, Winona Ryder. Yeah. The two ghosts are trying to find a way to spook everybody in the house... By putting on sheets or making their faces look really weird, right? Yes. So I kind love of, their faces. It kind of makes me think of that. So I, I wonder if it's maybe not necessarily somebody who hung themselves there because there's no record of something like that, but rather it's an intelligent ghost that's trying to get like, rid of Like, we don't want you here. Yeah. So it's doing what it can to scare her. I don't know. I'm just, I'm speculating here. Um, there's another report that occurred on a, uh, during a busy dinner dinner rush one night a customer near the wine rack yelled watch out when a large novelty style wine bottle moves out from the rack and seemed to be suspended in the air and then it slowly descends to the bar below witnesses said that it it didn't break it didn't even crack and when i think of large novelty style wine bottle i think of those like corny ass gigantic champagne bottles that they use at new Year's that are like two feet tall at a different time someone's working on a film set and there are apparently a lot of like tv shows and movies that are recorded here i'm guessing because it's a big sprawling complex it probably makes it pretty easy to record there um so someone on a film set reports i was working on a tv series that was filming in the fermentation cellar i spent the day with the cast in the building across from and not attached to the cellar he says it's to the north of the cellar but on the back of the offices that you enter on Mill Street, which I guess if you're familiar with the area, it might make sense. doesn't make any sense to me. It had recent, recently been an art gallery. The space is empty and very long and narrow running east to west. On the far western wall, there's a boarded up exit. So if you're thinking there's, there's a door, it's boarded up. There's also one exit on both the north and south walls on the east end, but no others. That's confusing. That is confusing. So it's a hallway. It's the east end hallway. And on either side of the hallway, the the north and south sides of the hall. Not at the end, yeah. but on the sides, there are exits there, right? And there there are no other exits down that hallway. 
it's the boarded up one and then the one at the other end, north and south, right? At the end of a 16-hour workday, myself and two others were clearing out the last of our things. I was talking to my coworkers with me facing north and they were facing south when to my left I saw a man as if he'd just come through an exit door, but the door that was there did not open. And then he saw this person walk first to the south-facing window and just look out of it. When I did a double take, he was gone. I stopped talking in mid-sentence and I knew immediately that I had seen a spirit. He appeared to be in his 40s and had on workman's clothes and I remember the boots. And that's kind of where his description ends. But I thought that was kind of interesting. He, he didn't say whether anybody else that was with him saw that, but he saw this person basically walk in of a in a door that should have been closed and then yeah. go and stand by a window and just kind of stare out of it. So that, I thought it was an interesting experience. It's, it's not a lot of detail, but... And not a lot of detail, but, like, to see, like, right in front of your face. Mm-hmm. Elsewhere on the property, a film crew member that was working in the area had to go for a coffee run. So he's the guy that has to go and get everybody coffee. Sucks to be you, dude. He says he saw a man in old-fashioned clothing that was wandering around the property. And he thought it was odd, so he followed the man for a little while until the man just disappeared through a wall. Hmm. So this appears to be a common thing. A lot of people associate this with Wirt's ghost. There's a company that offers ghost tours of the complex, so if you really want to go check it out, you can. And they bill it... (laughs) This cracked me up. They bill it as the world's least scary ghost tour by Segway. (laughs) Their website says, quote... The tour is usually conducted in the evening and is a great way to learn about the darker side of the site mixed with some history along the way. And I'll um, I'll post a link in the episode description if this is someplace that you're interested in visiting. If for nothing else than going and getting uh, a good meal and some whiskey. I'm sure they serve their whiskey there. So I'll post that up at the end. But that is Gooderum and Wirtz Distillery in Toronto, Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of similarities between our distilleries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool because I know that, like, when we picked distilleries, I picked quickly because I knew I would run out of time to do research. I also knew I wanted to do a bourbon distillery, so I specifically looked up, like, bourbon distillery ghosts, and then I found Buffalo Trace was the top. <laughs> it is, like, the top haunted it's distillery. It's the top. And it showed up, like, right away. So I texted you. I was like, I'm doing Buffalo Trace. I didn't even look much into what the hauntings were. I just, like, saw, like, skimmed through. But it's interesting because, like, you sent me what you were doing, but I wasn't even looking at other distilleries at that point. And it's really interesting to see, like, the similarities between, like, people just, like, you had people disappear in walls and I had people disappear in, like, barrels. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of cool. I I don't think think you had any little girls, though. No. So maybe it's more proof to the girls who died across the street. Yeah. I I thought it was interesting and kind of nice that we didn't really find any super scary stories from either distillery. We're good. We're good. And I need Haley's to add, going for more. We go hardcore here on Drink Drunk Dead. Um, don't forget your I'm sugar. I'm just adding... Well, I don't need the sugar because this bourbon's pretty good, but like... I like sugar. <laughs> The fun about this podcast is you start off and you're having some drinks and you're like, I'm really not that drunk. Literally, and then you get I... into it and you start chugging <laughs> as the other person's telling a story. And then, you... so I had um, one more thing before we close out that I wanted to tell you about. When I was doing research for haunted distilleries, I found there's a distillery and I can't remember whether it was Ireland or Scotland. There was a guy that apparently was saved from like slaving trips or saved from Africa, something. And he grew up in the distillery and he died in the 1970s. I can't remember what his name was, but one of the things they do now at the distillery is they make sure to raise a toast to this guy. Wow. How fitting. And it made me, I almost did the story because I'm like, that is, that's our closing. Shall we raise raise a a toast toast to to our our ghost? Oh, that was a nice claim. That was. Thank you very much for uh, guest co-hosting today. Thanks for having me, everyone. And we'll have to have you on again. Yeah, I mean, if they like me. (laughs) Don't forget, 
If you want to share your stories, send them to us at uh, drinkdrunkdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Okay, and uh, I don't know all the taglines, but to be cool, I'm going to say rate and review us on yes, whatever. Yes, on iTunes. I mean- you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at drinkdrunkdead. And don't forget, if you really like this podcast, especially after all my uh, butchered editing skills, tell your friends. Because that is the best way to help us grow is by telling your friends so that we start getting more and more listeners that'll help bring in uh, the potential for advertisers and really help us grow. So, Drink Drawn Dead podcast. Tell your friends or you're dead to us and then we'll tell stories about you. We love you. Bye.